We're still talking this morning about church, I mean uh, church discipline, actually uh, family discipline, child discipline. And so I thought I'd have uh, Jason and uh, Jack Davis come up and dem- let, me, let him demonstrate on Jack Davis. Would that be all right, Jack Davis? Have you? I heard you're an expert. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to, one thing I like about Sunday school, you just stop when you run out of time and then you just start back where you left off. So I'm going to do that uh, without a, uh, a lot of introduction here. Um, so a child must learn from the beginning uh, that it is the will of the parents and not their will that must be followed. That's really the central thing. Who's in charge? That's the issue with us and God. That's, that was the issue in the garden. Who's going to be in charge? Who's the boss? Who makes the decisions? Who sets the standard? Who has the authority? And since children are sinners like us, they want to do that. They want to be in charge. They want to be the boss of you. And so if you understand that that's fundamentally where the rub comes in, where the conflict is, then uh, you are, you're ahead because now you know uh, what, the, what the main issue is in every, uh, every conflict. So you can see through whatever the particular thing is. So the parent's word uh, is law. It's the standard. And again, we've already said that standard should reflect God's law, God's standards, God's justice, God's mercy. But children should then therefore learn to respond instantly to their parents. That's, and notice I said they have to learn that. They're not born knowing how to do that. And it's a learning process and you'll have some days when it seems to go well and other days when you seem like you're going backwards. And uh, it's a sustained effort on your part. But never give in to a child. Again, I'm giving you, these are going to be some more practical kinds of things, do's and don'ts, that I think are just maybe in the category of helpful advice. Never give in to a child that is begging or whining for something that he wants. So one one of the things that you're going to do is you're going to teach them the proper way uh, to make their needs known. They have needs, they have wants and desires, and that's appropriate, but there's a right way and a wrong way to let that be known. Stomping the foot, whining, uh, and complaining, and so forth is not, is not the proper way. So the results of going against the will of the parent must be the controlled use, and I'm going to uh, use the word, pain. That's just pain comes in a lot of forms. Now, again, always in the context, no abuse, but something that's unpleasant, something they don't like. You, get, you know, it's a basic rule of economics. You get more of what you pay for. If you get, if you reward bad behavior, then you get more bad behavior. And if you don't get a reward or you get some kind of unpleasant response in some, when you're doing something you shouldn't be doing, you're going to get less of that. So you get more of what you pay for. So you cannot, this is really important to remember, you cannot establish control, parents, 
without conflict. Uh, children are always going to test the boundaries. Sinners want to be God. They want to be in charge. Um, so parents, uh, here's a, here's a rule. You must win every challenge to your authority. Now, I'm going to put a footnote there, a little asterisk for a kind of an exception. I've gotten this phone call before because some of you sat in these classes and heard that statement. And uh, so you're having one of those days with a two-year-old who doesn't want to eat their vegetables, and they've been sitting in the high chair for some time now with a fair amount of tears, yours and theirs. And uh, so Pastor Booth said, "You parents, you always, you always win. You always uh, have to." Uh, prevail, but I don't feel like I'm prevailing right now, and this has just gone on and on. What do I do? Look, wisdom is not just a black and white thing. Wisdom understands the frame of a child. God doesn't just crush us every time. He he uh, understands our frame, so sometimes people get emotionally upset. Sometimes we've lost sight of what, what's at issue here. So I do think there are exceptions where you say, you know, we're, we're not going to continue this. We will take it up again. Uh, this isn't the last opportunity we have to uh, deal with eating what's on your plate, uh, but we're not going to uh, get to the point of where both of us are angry and upset and out of control. So we're going to stop. Get up. Okay. Let's go in here. Mommy loves you. Um, but we're going to go, you're going to go take your nap now. Now, next meal comes around. You're going to put something on their plate and you're going to require them to eat it. And you're going to work at this. And so sometimes you think, look, sometimes I have a longer strategic goal. I, 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 what I do want to do is always win the war <laughs> or win the battle but it might not be one on a Tuesday afternoon at 12.30. But don't lose sight of the fact that you need to circle back and prevail. This is because you love your child, not because you just have to win all the time. So keep it, you always have to come back and say, why am I doing this? What's the purpose? And um, to remember that this is important because when they get older, uh, those principles are going to be very critical, even to their life. Um, so you should essentially win every challenge to your authority, even on insignificant things. Attitude is, I think, as important as outward obedience. Uh, compliance with a roll of the eyes or a stomp of the foot is not really compliance. It's uh, rebellion that just tamp down a little bit, but not much. Um, so our basic rule is father and mother always win. So um, I'm, I'm, yes, sir. Oh, I thought you were raising your hand. Okay, go ahead. Um, let's see, where did I say it? Um, begging or whining. Um, so, uh, I always tell this story, Rachel's not here, so I can make it a little easier. I could embellish it even, um, she can't correct it, but she and I were having a showdown. I think, how old was she, Marino? 
two and a half. Um, and it was on, at noon one day, and it was just a matter of uh, we were homeschooling, so Marinelle had the older two in the next room, uh, Aaron and Kristen, and uh, I told Rachel to pick up her blocks and put them in a basket, and she just stood there. And she picked up blocks many times. She understood English. This was not a, it was not an issue of, oh, she's too young to understand what I wanted. I said, pick up the blocks. It's time to put up your toys and get ready for a nap. Just absolute obstinance. So I got on my knees. See, the temptation there is for, to do what? For, for me to just get, here, I'll help you pick up the blocks and and I'll do it, basically I'll do it for you, because I don't want to, I don't want a showdown. It's unpleasant to me. Um, so it's easy, it's just easier for me to pick up the blocks. That's easier in the, in the short run, but not in the long run. So, uh, this went on for several minutes. Sometimes that seems like a very long time. And it, it, it led to the, uh, wooden spoon and some swats on the leg, and tears. And I'm on my knees down with a -a two-and-a-half-year-old in the living room. And Kristen uh, walks. She has to go from the homeschool room back to her bedroom. It's a little house. And she walks very quickly by the conflict. They get whatever. And on the way back, she comes past us rather quickly, but she stops right here. And I'm right here, and she's behind me. And she turned around, and she said, Rachel, Daddy always wins. And she, Rachel bent down and picked up the block, <laughs> and it was over. So sometimes you need the voice of experience there to, to chime in. But uh, every conflict is an opportunity for change and for growth. Think about when the Lord chastises us and when he brings trials into our lives. I always say, you better pay attention. You better learn what God's trying to teach you. Otherwise, what's going to happen? You get to do it again. Uh, he doesn't just move on. He'll come back, and you'll have that trial another time. Um, we don't like conflict, and so we go out of our way to avoid it. But just note this, conflict cannot be avoided. Uh, when two wills are involved... They inevitably want to go in different directions. Children are in a perpetual pursuit. They must have read the Constitution. They're in a perpetual pursuit of happiness. Um, That is selfish in nature, and it also seeks instant gratification. Now, I know grown-ups this way, too. Um, But children are born this way. Instant gratification. Happiness. The long-term happiness, though, of you and your child is often in conflict with the short-term goals of your child. Likewise, parents often opt for the short-term gratification of avoiding conflict at the expense of the long-term benefit of establishing control. So, um, conflict is part of the training process. Oftentimes the greatest advances in child training come immediately after some of the greatest conflicts are won by the parents, just like the one I just described with Rachel. I don't think we had another incident quite like that. And we had some 
other conflicts and places where I still had to win, but it wasn't that kind of prolonged deal. Uh, so uh, the greatest fight occurs <laughs> right before the ship goes down. So therefore, parents, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we'll reap if we don't grow weary. So um, biblically, as we think about as, as we are before God, one of the things God, God requires us to respect him, but also to fear him. And sometimes you say, well, the word fear just means respect. No, it actually means to fear. It does mean to respect also, but it also means to be scared. Um, there's reason for that. Um, so the fear and pleasure of father and mother ought to be very high priorities in the lives of your children. When your child disobeys or rebels against you, uh, especially if it's in a very open and aggressive way, uh, they ought to think the world is coming to an end. In fact, their world should come to an end, at least the world that they're the boss in. The world they think they're in charge of should fall apart. You should undermine that. Um, there should be no reward for rebellion, and your child's greatest fear in life should be the displeasure, the frown, the the uh, the disapproval of their parents. You know, I can remember as a teenager, particularly, uh, I think I'd have rather had a beating than have my father sit down with me and say, "I am so disappointed in you." <laughs> yeah, that was just crushing. Um, so it can come in a lot of forms, depending on the age of the child. Um, but just as the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge, the father and the mother, uh, and the mother as the father's representative ought to be feared. Uh, and that certainly includes respect. So the child should come to think in terms of avoiding parental displeasure, uh, partly because when that displeasure is there, it never pays off, it, they never win. Uh, again, we're speaking in the context of godly, loving parents and not abusive, disobedient parents. Your child's greatest pleasure in life ought to be to receive the pleasure and approval of father and mother. I told my dad uh, last week, uh, he'll be 90 in June, you never get too old to need and want the approval of your parents, uh, to have them tell you, they, they're proud of you or approve of what you've done. And just as the Christian should live to please God, children should live to please their parents. Therefore, parents, we need to work and be careful to be consistent and perpetual in offering both correction and approval. Because it's easy to focus on the things that need fixing, fixing the broken things, uh, but to forget to praise, and approve of the others. One without the other cannot accomplish proper child training uh, because this is simply the training training the way God trains. God says, well done, good and faithful servant. God blesses. God gives us joy. God forgives our sins. God welcomes us into his arms. He comforts us. He does all of that, and he chastises us. Because he loves us. Love is the motive for both of those. 
Now, it's important to distinguish in the trial the difference uh, between ignorance and our childish ignorance and willful rebellion. I learned this from James Dobson in his book, uh, Dare to Discipline, many, many years ago, and I think that's a good distinction. The difference between uh, childish ignorance, they hadn't learned yet, they're still in the process of learning, or they just didn't know any better, versus willful rebellion. Some commands, some doctrine, a child can't obey because they've never been taught or trained. They might also be unable to do certain things that older children can do. They may lack the skill or the ability, and not all children are alike. Well, you know, my other child could do this by the time they were three. I expect all of them to do that. Well, that would be uh, you're not using wisdom. All children are not the same. They don't all have the same ability. They don't have all, all have the same cognitive ability. They don't have all have the same emotional uh, makeup. Uh, some are more aggressive and some are more passive. Uh, some are more sensitive. Uh, there's all kinds of differences in our children, and part of our task as parents is to recognize those and to work with those. So they might also be clumsy, or perhaps they really didn't hear what you said. They were distracted. Now, part of what you're going to do is teach them to listen. Uh, But on the other hand, willful rebellion is when a child either actively or passively rejects your authority, basically saying, you're not going to tell me what to do. I'm going to do what I want to do anyway. Uh, They do know what to do. They do know what, excuse me, they do know what you want them to do. They are able to do it. They just don't want to do it. So the basic principle is this. The big picture of child training must always be kept in mind because a particular incident might seem inconsequential. Um, battles are not, are not one to, that are not won today will have to be fought later and maybe on far less favorable ground. Uh, they'll be, they will be harder later, especially of the child, if the child prevailed the first time, or ten times, or a hundred times. And suddenly when the stakes get higher, uh, now the cost uh, is higher, but you have all this pattern of not establishing your uh, authority. So authority and control are always the primary issue. Uh, We're not talking about authoritarianism or being a a tyrant as a parent. That's sinful. Uh, So again, always in the context of godliness. But the particular conflict uh, between parent and child may be easy to excuse. Uh, She's tired or sick or she hates that job. There's a lot of other excuses. But if sinful, but if it's sinful rebellion, it is still sinful rebellion. Well, you know, if you hate the job, then, you know, that's, that's, um, there are a lot of jobs I hate. In fact, that's part of what you're going to teach them. Sometimes there are jobs that you hate that you still have to do. I was thinking about this day. There are all kinds of things that I don't want to do that I need to do. And by the way, there are all kinds of things I want to do that I can't do. In that life, well, then teach your children that. You don't get to do everything you want to do, and you have to do some things you don't want to do. And you have to get happy about both of those. 
That's life. And the sooner you learn that, the happier you'll be. That's the irony of that. And it turns out when you do some hard things that you didn't want to do, it turns out you get a happiness and a joy and a satisfaction from having worked hard and done something you didn't want to do, but you did it. And sometimes if you just do everything you want to do and you get it, it turns out you're unhappy. It's uh, It wasn't what you thought it would be. So... Um, They know what you want. They're able to perform it. They just don't want to. You're familiar with that problem because that's what adults do toward God, right? So remember, you get more what you pay for. When the child perceives any kind of payoff for their rebellion, you are guaranteed to get more of that later. I've used this before, but, you know, the kid at Walmart throwing a fit because he wants a toy and mom says no, and he's crying and kicking and screaming. And he, he might even get a little discipline or get chastised. He might not get the toy this time. But on the way in next time, mom says, now, if you'll be a good boy, I'll buy you a toy. You see what just happened? He won. There's a payoff. It's worth throwing a fit. Might not get it today, but I'll get it next week. So what should what should that parent do the kid that threw the fit, no toy today, maybe a spanking. What else should happen next time you go to the store? What should you say to him? If you're a good boy, you'll get a toy? How about what? There you go. Except another spanking. Um, I grew up in the era when it was, it was not an, I worked in retail, uh, in my early twenties and I, on more than one occasion, several occasions, uh, it made me smile to see a parent. I, I actually worked in a department store downtown Shreveport that had a toy floor, uh, that was for Christmas. So it wasn't open all year, but it opened, you know, in the fall for the Christmas season and, um, it uh, So that meant there were a lot of people up there and kids coming in. And so any number of these scenes. And there was a bathroom there on that floor. And I've seen more than one child uh, being taken in there, crying, uh, coming out um, with their attitude adjusted. Um, and I'd usually do the... Um, Perhaps their unpleasantness causes you to avoid asking them to do things in the future. That's another mistake. Well, last time I did this, we had a big showdown, so I just won't ask them to do that again. No. That means you probably ought to ask them twice as much to do it until you overcome that. Or, again, you do it yourself because you don't want the hassle, and that's because they won and you lost. Uh, No payoff for any kind of rebellion. What does rebellion look like? I'm going to give you a list. Some people like lists. Um, and this is not a comprehensive list. Children are very inventive. Um, saying no. Stomping the foot. Swinging the fist. Growling. That was one we had for a while. <laughs> Doesn't work. Eyebrows down. Uh, hitting or kicking, temper fits of various types. Uh, Marinelle's got some good remedies for that. Um, 
I don't see the Terrells here, so I'll tell a story. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, it's, maybe it's harder if you're here and you hear the story, but what was it? Um, so, Marinelle, I think Katrina was having, I think it was issues with Annabelle. Was it? You know the story? Okay. <laughs> and and I believe, did she get a squirt gun? Marinelle said splash her with water. Was it? Was it? Okay. So, uh, Marinelle did it with our, she got to do it with a grandchild out in, and she was keeping the, what's that? It was. So, uh, Ben was throwing a fit. She was keeping the kids for a few days while Stephen and Kristen went somewhere, and uh, she just got a little cup of water and said he was whining and pitching a fit, and she just got a little one of those little teeny paper cups and just splashed him. And after that, all she had to say, you want me to splash you? <laughs> and then Caroline did something, and she looked at her and said, do you want to get splashed? <laughs> so I'm not saying that works forever, but... Uh, there are various, um, Marinelle had teenage boy, her brothers, teenage boys, and they were having some kind of quarrel in the kitchen and her mother doused them with a scoop of flour. Uh, so they were both covered in flour that put an end to the, in front of a friend. Yeah. Okay. Back to here. Uh, uh, running away while you're instructing or correcting, um, talking back. Whining, pouting. Then there are subtle or passive, subtle or passive rebellion. Other children have other methods. Outward compliance with inward resentment. Uh, facial expressions. Um, I really like Diane Douglas's, uh, where's Sarah? Are you in here, Sarah? Did your mom, you know about happy eyes? You remember happy eyes? What was that? Yeah. So if Charles, down, her mother would say, I want to see your happy eyes. Is that how she would do it? So, that, you know what? If you get happy eyes, it actually starts to change the heart, doesn't it? It's hard to get that happy face without something happening on the inside. But the opposite of that is unhappy eyes, glaring or clenching the teeth, uh, passive rebellion, forgetting. You know, in the Bible, sometimes forgetting is a sin. That's why God says, don't forget to do this. That's part of the that's part of the assignment is not forgetting to do it. Uh, failure to carry out instructions or doing a sloppy job on a required task, doing what's required but not doing it in the right way, uh, delaying obedience until there's a new threat issued. Um, I'm not totally against uh, the idea that you tell somebody more than once something. You know they're they're over here doing play in, and you say, "I need you to go take the trash out." And they, you know, you look over there, and a minute later, they're still. Saying, I said, "Get up and take the trash out." In other words, God doesn't just, you know, God sometimes tells me something more than once, but I'm not going to say it four times or three times. It's like, and uh, so those are just some of the things to be aware of. Rebellion, yes, sir. Yes, that's right. Hearing loss now. That is, unless you mention something they're really interested in, and of course they can hear you from the other end of the house, right? It's bionic ears. Um, so, 
Here's what children need to learn. They must first know what the rules are. If you haven't been clear, and if that means writing them down, if that means making a list, getting them to tell you back is a good way to do that. Now, what are the rules? That would be a good way to do that. That way there's, oh, I didn't know that's what you said. I didn't know, I didn't hear you, or uh, I misunderstood you, or I didn't hear that one. Um, second, uh, as they get older, particularly, uh, why the rules are the rules. It's appropriate to give that information. You don't need to give that to a two-year-old. Uh, but as they get a little older, you can say, here's why we clean our room. Here's why we say this. Here's why we don't do that. Uh, finally, how to apply the rules themselves in new situations. That's the ultimate goal, is to take the rules you've given them, and then now they're facing a new situation, and to take those rules, those principles, and to apply them in new circumstances. This is what God does for us. You may eat of any tree but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. These are the rules or the boundaries, and if you break the rules, these are the consequences. The day you eat, you shall surely die. Then God gives instruction in his word that tells us why his law is beneficial to us and why breaking it brings misery, the blessings and the curses. If you do these things, you'll prosper And if you do these things, you're going to be miserable. Okay, And finally, he puts us in circumstances where we must apply what he's taught us or fail to apply it and then face the consequences, good or bad. Tell the truth or lie. Hold your temper or lose your temper. So there's all kinds of situations now we get put in to either... Believe and obey or disbelieve what he said and do it our way and face those consequences. So I want to finish up today by talking about uh, three phases of child training. I wrote an article some years ago. Uh, many of you are familiar with classical education know the, the uh, three phases of classical education, uh, the grammar phase, the logic phase, and the rhetoric phase. And it dawned on me uh, 25 years ago or so that these are really uh, just different terms for what the Bible talks about with knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. And those are kind of have different angles on what's going on. So let's talk about phase one is knowledge. Your children are born basically knowing nothing. All knowledge, grammar, comes from you. You control everything they learn. You provide all the raw materials that they'll draw from to form their view and their understanding of the world. They believe everything you tell them, though they don't always act like, they don't always like what you tell them. If you tell them there's a tooth fairy and you tell them there's an Easter bunny, they believe you. If you tell them Jesus loves them, they believe you. Like the Garden of Eden, you must establish boundaries. What are the rules? Remember, they're not born knowing the rules. Well, 
At one level, we could argue theologically the law is written on their hearts. So in that sense, it's there. But articulating it brings particularity to it. So what are the rules? Where can you go? Which means where you can't, where you can go and where you can't go. What you can say and what you can't say. We don't use those words. How you can express yourself and how you can't express yourself. What can you do? What can you not do? So those, those are, uh, uh, again, part of the knowledge that we're giving them. Parents must clearly establish the what aspect of learning first. This is what you need to do or not do. The fuzzier the boundaries, the harder it'll be to train your children. When they know the limits, then they have a clear standard to go by. The first lesson the child must learn is that their parents not only establish the rules, but their parents also enforce the rules. Rules unenforced are not are just suggestions. The child's only obligation, remember, is to what? Obey their parents. Well, honor and obey. Honor is just the attitude part of obedience. Not only in action, but also in, in word and attitude. So the establishment of parental authority is the most essential aspect of training children. Don't be fooled into thinking that the particular incident with your child is all that matters. Every encounter, every violation of the rules is a test of two things. Who's in charge and under what conditions do they have to obey? Only when you yell, only when you tell them for the tenth time, only when they see you getting up out of the chair. Is that how it works? Or did you mean it when you said it? Failure to establish or enforce the rules under unclear rules are not fair to children and make the parent's job impossible. If the rules are vague, then the goals are vague. And if the goals are vague, then you can never achieve God's purposes. When you fail to properly enforce the rules or inflict sufficient pain for violation of the rules, you teach them, again, that the rules are not really rules. And that's why you should think carefully about your rules. Don't make unreasonable rules. You've got to use wisdom. Remember, thinking about the age of the child, the ability of the child, all those things are factors. This is not an... I want to make a stop and pause here because I think there's a danger, and I see it sometimes, is, oh, I'm just keeping the rules. Just There's this hard, rigid legalistic, demanding, and I have to stop. All right, wait a minute. Part of the rules God gave us is mercy and grace and kindness and gentleness and and affection. Those are part of the rules, too, that apply to me as a parent. So it's not just about keeping my strict rules. It is about all of that. All, I, my obligations to, for me is to obey all that God set down for me as a parent. Now, I'm, you know, it's hard. It's hard to remember all that. It's hard to do all that. And if it's hard for me to remember and do all that, what is it for a child? So when you fail to properly enforce the rules or inflict sufficient pain for violation of the rules, 
Again, you teach them that the rules are not really rules. They learn that they only have to obey when you tell them three times or when you raise your voice uh, or that you will simply move them away without penalty. In other words, they don't have to obey your commands except under certain conditions. Remember, your goal is to bring your child to a place of self-control under God. So you control them until they can control themselves or will control themselves. As long as they're obeying the rules, that is, living within the boundaries you've established, they are exercising self-control. And when they step outside the boundaries, you must be the controlling force to bring them back in to the boundaries. The older a child becomes without control, the more difficult the job of child training becomes. Those early years matter. And I know you moms, especially sometimes you have those days, if you have, especially if you have multiple toddlers, that you feel like all you did all day long was correct and discipline and do this. It's hard work, but it is really important work. A child left to himself, Proverbs 29:15. The rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. When you allow your child to get his own way, throw temper fits, argue, scowl, disobey, you're training him or her that these are acceptable ways to respond to God's authority. They learn that they're the most important person, and if they aren't happy, no one will be happy. Sounds like some adults I know. Controlling your child is loving your child. A well-controlled child is a happy child, and they are a joy for the entire household. And for that matter, they're a joy for the whole world. Parents often avoid demanding obedience, again, because they don't like conflict. They make excuses, justify improper behavior, or they give some token swat that is virtually useless. Uh, truth is they're not loving their child but themselves in the moment uh, because they don't like conflict and they're avoiding it. So a loving parent must deny himself and put the benefit of their child first. Um, phase two is understanding. So as children grow, as they become more mature, uh, it, and particularly as they approach puberty, uh, a major change, entering the youth phase. They begin to look more mature, maybe a little awkward at first, uh, and they begin to look at the world differently. Uh, they, w- they may switch between acting more like a child and more like adults and back and forth from moment to moment. Um, so if you're in that phase, just say, okay, that's normal. This is how, how it works. By now, the, parent, the parent's control should have already been established. Father and mother shouldn't have to be standing as nearby to ensure that the rules are followed. Uh, and so I think I've used this, it is in that sense, like training border collies. I've watched them do this where they train them to herd sheep. Uh, and they start out by the side and they have them on a leash. And then that leash gets longer and longer. In fact, they play a little trick on them. They'll put just a wire on the collar a long one that the dog doesn't see. And so they, and so the dog gets further away and they get a command to, you know, um, well, wait to me or come by. Those are the phrases they use. That means go left or right and do this or that. And inevitably that, chi- that dog will get far enough away they think they don't have to do what they're told. And what they don't realize is they're still attached. So they get reeled in and corrected 
and try again. Eventually, a well-trained dog can be over a hill, out of sight, and they teach them whistle commands, and they can command a dog from hundreds of yards away with a whistle, and dog just does what they're supposed to do. That's kind of an image of what we're trying to do here. Um, so um, children begin to question things. They want to know why things are the way they are, including the rules. Uh, we've been telling them what to do. Now we begin, we, we're, uh, we begin training them as to why they're doing it, moving from the external control and establishing internal control. And because our goal is we want you to love the rules. We want you to love the standard. We want this standard to be your standard. If it's your standard, you'll keep it. If it's just my standard, you'll be looking for ways to get around it. They're starting to put the pieces together, trying to make sense of the world they live in. They want to understand. However, obedience is still required even if they don't understand. They don't always like your reasons. Um, or when parents choose not to give reasons, and this can be a difficult time for parents who, if you don't know why you have the rules you have. Um, greed, uh, granted, children don't always understand the reasons they're given. It's embarrassing to be asked, though, why we're doing something or why we believe something and we're not prepared to give an answer. And then parents may be tempted to respond in anger, telling a child not to question their authority. This is new territory for both children and parents. Children in their quest for understanding may ask questions in inappropriate ways, thus prompting parents to reestablish control. You may not talk to me that way. Look at me. Let's sit down and have an adult conversation. You want to be an adult? Then let's have an adult conversation. Um, children in their quest to understand... Okay, parents... Uh, who may have been used to not being questioned, may resist such questions and interpret that as rebellion. But parental authority or control, if it's been established during childhood, the transition should be relatively smooth. Your children have come to see that your word is trustworthy, that you have their best interest at heart, that you too are obedient to God's authority and you do what's right even when you don't want to. Uh, and you must now train them how to ask the why questions with respect, never challenging your authority. Uh, God does not have to tell us anything, but he frequently does so. And we're out of time, so we're going to stop there, and we'll get to the third one uh, next time, which will be wisdom, which will be the third phase, which is our ultimate goal uh, in uh, bringing them to adulthood. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your word, for your instruction, for your uh, fatherly uh, kindness to us in establishing your law, your standards for us, for training us, teaching us, correcting us, and shaping and molding us into Christ-like followers. So, Lord, continue to help us do that and help us do that with our children. Bless us now as we prepare for worship. In Jesus' name, amen.